Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? Hi, and welcome back to the Imagine More podcast. Today, we are here with John Fallone. John comes from such an interesting background. He co-founded a company in Silicon Valley, um, raised a ton of money, sold it, then moved to Raleigh, where he launched Fallone SV, a law firm that serves startups. He earned a Master of Laws degree in Law and Entrepreneurship at Duke Law School. And we can't wait to hear more about his story. So let's dive right in. Hi, John. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Hey, Chantel. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. We're excited to learn more about your company and your journey and story. Do you want to kick things off with telling our listeners a little bit more about your path to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, definitely. So um, I had uh, the wonderful experience of growing up the son of a home builder. Uh, My father uh, had a residential development company um, in Rochester, New York. Uh, He also did some commercial development. Uh, and I was kind of bred to take over the family business one day, um, working for him every summer, working at the track, you know, uh, operating heavy equipment, that type of stuff. Uh, went to college, started at Virginia Tech my first year, uh, majoring in building construction, uh, transferred to Florida State, um, and, and majored in the closest thing that they had uh, to a building construction major, which was housing. Um, well, in the middle of college, uh, my father's construction business kind of fell apart. And on top of that, um, when I graduated, it was 2007, and I graduated with a degree in housing. My bachelor's degree literally says a bachelor's of science in housing. If you could imagine the worst time to graduate with a degree in housing, uh, 2007 was probably it, um, with the housing crisis, uh, housing crash coming. Um, so I ended up working in uh, pro- residential property management which was after about a year, I realized that I had my fill. And I was like, there's no (laughs) way that I could do this anymore. Uh, So I thought to myself, what am I going to do? And I just decided on a whim that that law school would be a good move because I knew that uh, career as a lawyer would be um, something that that would allow allow me to work in business or uh, work as an actual attorney. So um, decided to go to law school uh, while working full time. I was up in D.C. Uh, with my wife. Uh, we moved to the D.C. area right after college. And um, in D.C., uh, I was working as a real estate finance uh, paralegal while I was going through law school. And midway through law school, my best friend from undergrad came to me and said, we've always thought about starting a company together. I've got an idea. Are you in? And I said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, what's the idea? And that was kind of uh, the, the juncture that led me to the path of entrepreneurship. We decided to build a company, um, which became Sendhub, uh, with one of his friends who was also working on startups in Silicon Valley. Um, and it, Sendhub was a, it started as a way for businesses, organizations, schools to message uh, message groups using SMS. And the idea being that we wanted to formalize this and make the written, communica- written form of communication more accessible for everyone, no matter where they were. And um, had we executed, I think, what the original vision was, it, we would have ended up like Slack 
Um, but obviously we didn't because we're not Slack. <laughs> so we weren't, we didn't end up becoming Slack. So, um, that's, that's kind of how I ended up getting started and moving towards the, uh, entrepreneurship path. Okay. Well, I've got two quick notes that are a little off topic, but I don't know if we've made the connection yet. I also graduated from Florida state. So go Seminoles. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> I did see that. Go Noles. Um, yeah. They need all the well wishes they can have right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then on the property management front, were you a good property manager or kind of the, the same as the others out there? No, I was a great property manager. What are you talking about? Well, I um, have just had horrible experiences. I feel like that's a yeah. market that needs some <laughs> revamping. Um, so just yeah. wanted to see. No, I agree. I, I agree. I actually managed um, a high-rise in Alexandria, Virginia. We had several of the Washington Nationals live there. Okay. Um, just ran into some of the craziest stuff you would ever imagine. I bet. <laughs> well, tell us about your law firm now. And um, so I know you worked on SunHub hub and then got out of that and started this company. Would you tell the yeah. listeners a little bit about that? Definitely. So, um, send hub, uh, basically with send hub, we ended up getting into a startup accelerator in California. We got into white combinator winter 2012 that moved us out to California. I finished at law school as a visiting student out there and send hub for me was a journey through entrepreneurship, but also in a way, a legal practicum. Hmm. Um, and send hub wasn't hitting its stride like we really needed it to to get those super large rounds of venture venture funding. Um, in the end, we ended up raising about $10 million from angels and VCs, but we kind of knew that it, it, it wasn't going to get that $50 million, you know, $50 million round um, really taking us to the next level. So um, at the beginning of 2015, after we'd been working on Sundub for a while, I'd uh, passed the bar in California and my wife and I were sitting there just realizing how expensive California was and also realizing that you know, we were essentially going into debt because we lived out there. Hmm. So in an effort to try to figure out how to make ends meet, I ended up um, just searching for some legal jobs, like some side legal work just to help companies uh, with things that I knew how to do at the time, whether it was starting a corporation, helping them with investment, um, helping them understand uh, uh, different security structures, uh, securities regulations around investment. Um, and actually my first job, uh, my first legal job was representing a Saudi Arabian investor investing in a, a Y Combinator company using Y Combinator equity documents. Hmm. So I had actually raised money off of those documents. I knew exactly what they said. So it was a really awesome transition for me. And with that being my first legal job, um, after I finished it, I, I, was kind of hooked. Like I really loved doing it. I loved advising him on what, you know, how these documents work, what, it, what were the practical implications, how they could, you know, how we could make them different. What were some of the changes the company made? Um, and as I started looking more and more for jobs like this, I ended up um, just running into more and more companies that I found really interesting. I got to help them work through not only business problems, but also, uh, excuse me, not only legal problems, but also business and startup problems. And I thought that the working through those problems, helping them strategize was something that was just really excited. So uh, really exciting. So after we, um, after we sold SendHub, uh, the idea was I wanted to give law, uh, kind of, uh, a, a crack. And I was just, I thought to myself that, um, you know, I really, since I really enjoyed it and it seemed like I could make it work, I just wanted to focus on that full time. And that's, um, kind of the impromptu way of how I, I, 
morphed from entrepreneurship, the startup side, into the legal side of entrepreneurship and startups. Well, that's really exciting. And are you have you stayed in touch with the Y Combinator team? And are you a resource for some of that legal, um, you know, investment and acquisition? Those conversations. So I stay in touch with a, a couple of the folks from Y Combinator, um, and then more so the network itself. Like I, I stay in touch with a lot of friends that I made during uh, during our batch, and then throughout my time there. Uh, and in, in fact, you know, some of my teammates we still work together on different projects uh, related to a tech tech policy nonprofit that I do some work for. And um, uh, on the legal side, I, I do help a handful of uh, Y Combinator back companies with um, their their legal needs, whether it's you know, corporate structure, uh, software uh, licensing agreements, terms of service, uh, investment, whatever it might be, and um, I, it's really, it's really nice to kind of stay in touch with that with that group because I think that um, the network itself is just incredibly valuable and it's facilitative of building some really exciting companies. Yeah, it sounds. We had another podcast guest and friend of mine, Brett Hagler of New Story Charity, or New Story, um, and he was also in that program and it. It sounds like such a prestigious group of people and uh, just sharp, sharp people. Definitely. It uh, blows you away. It's kind of intimidating. Yeah, I bet, yeah, to be in a room full of, you know, just smart people like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to talk. So you, it sounds like you've been very intentional about staying in the startup space specifically. Is that something that it just because that's your passion or you've uh, found that th- that that's where the team works best. I would love to talk about how you've niched and defined that target market for your company. Definitely. Um, so for me, it's, I think that it's a result of me just being very, very interested in that space. It's something that I find really exciting. I enjoy talking to these companies and because of that, you know, it sort of fosters that passion for staying in the space and, um, I think that that itself carves out the niche. So I think you know people can be very intentional about carving out a niche. They can um, be strategic. They can plan. They can do all those you know all the all the blocking and tackling necessary to build a business. But unless there's passion behind it, I don't know that it, it can really um, really grow. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what I've started to find is that. Um, Whenever I follow my passion, I tend to have better outcomes, better results. And, and I think that that's something that uh, has really helped me make this this my area. This is something that I, I want to stay stay in and, and contribute to as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, it's interesting to hear most of them lead with passion and then there's a, a huge opportunity and they solve a problem that you know hasn't been solved before. Um but it is interesting to hear if it's typically just kind of sparked an idea that they saw or did they kind of follow a dream and a passion and then it evolved into their own business. Um, I'm curious. So I've been having some interesting conversations with people in the real estate market or um, lawyers. And I think these are two big um, segments that are really starting to shake up a little bit. And I'd love to hear how you've differentiated yourself in the space and, and where you see the industry shifting? Um, so the legal market itself is actually really interesting right now. Legal tech is starting to take off quite a bit, as you noted. And I think that that is going to be um, a big battle. Uh, as, you're, you're, as you mentioned, uh, law and real estate, I think, are two, um, two industries that are ripe for disruption. Uh, they're 
somewhat insulated because of the regulatory um, environment around them. Uh, and so they do a really good job of ensuring that, that they don't, they're not really attacked. So, for example, if you look at the, the real estate side, you've got a couple startups, like uh, a couple companies like Zillow and Redfin that really tried to go after that space. And they weren't really they weren't able to tackle it in the way that they wanted to. Sure, they've made some headway, but still, um, you know, the real estate model exists uh, uh, today as it did largely 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, similarly with law, um, you have this the, the billable hour. That, that's really, I think, the, mo- the hallmark of, of law practice. You've got attorneys um, that, that bill for time instead of bill for projects. And uh, you, you've got, when you have anyone that bills for time, uh, they essentially are incentivized to take a long time to do things. Um, but at the same time, you know, they have an ethical duty to be efficient. So you run into this interesting duality. Um, and one of the things that I think is really exciting on the legal side is that you see um, a lot more automation and a lot more uh, efficiencies created through technology. So um, I, I think that the internet and, and the startup community have done a really great job of democratizing legal access to a lot of transactional type practice. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, you look at something like a, a, something like a, a um, August or a Clerky or Stripe Atlas, it, you can essentially get a corporation that's got all the bells and whistles of a startup that's going to take money from a venture capital firm um, ready to go, and, and it's a matter of minutes to get it set up. Um, I think that you know you've got legal networks popping up like Avo or Rocket Lawyer or UpCounsel that make it easier for attorneys to connect with clients and clients to connect with attorneys and for there to be an actual bidding process that pushes down legal costs. So I think that that's somewhat exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have some really neat stuff around uh, AI and it's uh, breaking into the law, um, you know, whether it's in regards to doc, re- doc review or uh, research. Um, you've got uh, companies like Ross AI um, that, that's being used by some of the largest law firms in the country. Um, and, and that's actually an area that I find really interesting, the legal tech space. I actually helped launch um, a legal tech accelerator out of Duke Law School last year. Uh, when I moved to Raleigh from San Francisco, um, I ended up going through a program at Duke Law School. It's a Master's of Law and Entrepreneurship program, and it focuses on helping startups, uh, helping startups through their growth cycles as a company, uh, as well as uh, helping them take investment. But um, while I was in the program, I helped... Uh, an amazing professor out of Duke Law named Jeff Ward get this this accelerator off the ground. And we had seven companies go through it in the first iteration. We had a demo day. Um, a handful of those companies went on to go get funding or sign deals with major law firms. So it's been it's been really neat to immerse myself in that space and see how it's um, forcing uh, a really old and stodgy industry like law to to change. Mm-hmm. I also, I mean, just even from an expectation level, millennials or even younger. The accessibility or the, um, I even think just basic scheduling, like, uh, you know, any, you know, older um, lawyer that I've spoken to, you have to go into the office. And again, it is that bill on the time and there's a lot of back and forth and getting on the calendar and um, it just feels very slow. And so I think expectations are shifting as we kind of go through other generations. And I imagine, you know, that's going to have to change a little bit as well. Yeah, but that's exactly right. I mean, there is an old old guard that exists, and you've got um, 
that that old guard being disrupted by the way that that uh, attorneys are trying to be more efficient so they can get more business, so they mm-hmm. can um, build more of a clientele. Definitely. Well, John, what does a typical day look like for you now with this business? Yeah, so um, I have a wife. I have two kids. We're expecting our third. Congratulations. And, uh, I try to... Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have, have two boys now. We're going to have our third boy. So um, and having our third boy, I've actually guaranteed myself number four. Because my wife <laughs> definitely want to try for a girl. Um, and invariably, that means we're going to end up with twin boys on go around, on that on the fourth go around. Yeah. So we're going to have five boys. So that's how I feel about it. But, um, you know, uh, basically, I try to maximize my time with them. So what I do is uh, usually I'm up by about five o'clock. And um, I'll work from about 5, 15, uh, as soon as I can throw down that first cup of coffee. Uh, and I'll, I'll work until about 8.30, and then I'll spend you know, a handful of minutes helping my uh, wife get the kids off to, to school. Um, and then uh, I'll pack up, I'll head to the gym for about an hour, um, and, and then I'll make my way into the office. So I, I work out of a co-working space in, in Raleigh called HQ Raleigh. It's a really amazing space. I've got uh, a few hundred people that work out of there. Uh, I want to say like 60 or 70 companies. Um, so they've got some amazing folks and, uh, I'll work, uh, from usually about 10 to six and then head back home. Um, and when I get home, then I try to make it as much for family time as possible. But invariably there's a day or two a week where I end up uh, hanging out with the family from like six thirty to eight thirty. get the kids down for bed. And then I'll go back up to my office in the house and, and work until, like one or two in the morning, which is, uh, you know, I think it's just the nature of whether you're in startup, uh, startup mode or you're starting, you know, a, a business, um, itself. I think you're just kind of, you've got to put in some of that hustle. And I think that, um, you know, that's, that's the phase that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Do you see, um, Fallon SV and that's the name, correct? Is that how I'm pronouncing Falone. it correctly? Falone, sorry. Falone SV. Falone no SV growing to the size of Centub, or would you like to stay a little smaller? What do you anticipate the team looking like in a couple of years? You know, I would, I would really love to grow it into a big law firm uh, with offices and different startup hubs throughout the U.S. Um, I think that that would be really exciting. You know, mm-hmm. but I think that that's just a product of me wanting to move fast and almost, uh, you know, every facet of building a business and a practice. I, um, you know, I have, I have a partner I practice with right now. Her name's Caitlin Kennedy. She's wonderful. And, uh, I, I think every day she hears me complain about how I want to be going faster. I want to be doing <laughs> things faster. I want more clients. I want to work with larger companies on larger deals. And, um, you know, it's a process. So I think in the immediate, there's going to is there's definitely going to be a ramp up period. We're definitely going to have to take some time to get our bearings and get really really good at a handful of things so that we can expand out from those um from those legal tasks and uh become more uh more well-rounded attorneys and um legal experts and and some upstream uh upstream deals and deal topics. Mhm. Do you do you think that the Y Combinator can infuse that fast growth mentality, or is that something that you have always had? Yeah, it's a, it, it is definitely. Um, I think that it's something that I probably always had. So I, I was a sport athlete in college, um, and it you know it was always work, work, work. Like let's get to where we want to go. Um, let's fix all of the problems uh, as soon as possible so that we can get better at every iteration. And I think that that 
is, is something that was only furthered when I s applied that type of mentality in the business arena. Uh, so in building SendHub, it was the same concept. You wanted to move as fast as possible, get you know that next level of development, get clients, get customers, make sales, those types of things. And then in the law practice, I, you know, I feel very similar uh, as I did while building SendHub. Uh, very similar to how I felt while I was building SendHub. Um, you know, it's just, there's about a hundred different things that you want to fo focus on, but, um, you know, you only have time for five. Mm -hmm. So which five are you going to choose? Which five are you going to make really good? Yeah. Well, there's always something that you can be doing for your business to continue to learn and to grow. Uh, how, speaking of, how do you prioritize that list of a hundred? Do you have a certain methodology or, um, way that you approach kind of the, the pinging of, oh my gosh, I could be doing all of these things. I need to be doing all of these things right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my initial reaction is, oh my God, I need to be doing all these things right now, like this second. Mm -hmm. um, but after I take some time to digest and figure out, uh, you know, what, what are the, my priorities? You know, it, obviously client work is, is the priority, but once I can get client work, um, offloaded once I can finish up the client work where where is my time spent because we're still in the stage of building so we still have to build a presence build a brand build a, a structure and infrastructure um, and the way that I prioritize it is um, I try to determine where I think we'll get the most benefit from whatever activity uh, is on the list and, and try to work on on two or three key items at any given moment. Um, and I keep it to two or three because I think that I can be really good at a couple of things at a time. Um, but once you start to get too much on the plate or try to think about too many things, it just the quality goes out the window. So, um, for example, right now, the things that I'm really trying to focus on, um, one, uh, I've been auto set of legal contract templates, uh, for, use uh, across several different um, several different types of relationships that most startups will will encounter so I've spent a lot of time building out these templates and this is kind of like that back office operations um, activity that a lot of people don't want to do you know it's not like you're interacting with people it's more you're sitting in front of a computer typing trying to figure out you know how can I make this the most efficient way of building a contract possible but um, I know that if I do this, it's going to save me so much time in, in preparing contracts or preparing any legal documents in the future. So I'm spending a lot of time on, on that piece of building the back office of the, uh, of the law firm. Um, and then you know, the other area that I'm spending a lot of time right now is, uh, is on writing content. Uh, I want to write content that I can send out to um, you know, the public, the startup community, so that they can see you know, we're, we're actually – doing something we've got you know we've got a business up and running we, we're here to help startups and um, we want to write about things that are you know not the usual like oh well, why do you incorporate in Delaware why do you mm. have you know what's the par value of stock I mean I think a lot of those things have been very well written on I want to write on things that are you know are, are more uh, more unique things that are, are more interesting to some of the uh, emerging technologies today so one of the topics that I'm trying to write a, a two-part blog on right now is, is cryptocurrency um, and, and SEC's recent crackdown on cryptocurrency and how it relates to those working in the, the cryptocurrency space, um, whether they're a software engineer or someone that's actually looking to launch their own, their own cryptocurrency. Hmm. 
That that does sound interesting. I'll have to read that. I know very little about cryptocurrency. So I need to learn about cryptocurrency. Okay. That is it is where it's at. On the list. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, a couple of questions to wrap things up, John. Uh, first, of that list of you know many things that you'd like to accomplish, is there any one thing that you can't wait to delegate and push off your plate? Hmm. Let me think on that for a second. Accounting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the bookkeeping. Yeah. So like when you're running a business, you've got all these different hats you have to wear. And so, um, you know, making sure that the bookkeeping is always up to date and we're, you know, we've got invoices going out and that you know, we're following up on invoices that have been paid and keeping up with those things. Um, I, I think that that would be, you know, it would be really nice to have that off my plate, uh, so that I can focus on, on other things that, you know, other things that I think are going to build a practice rather than sustain a business. I think that there's a, a differentiation between growing and, and sustaining. And I think that accounting is one of the things that I'm just, you know, I'd be so happy to pass off. Well, when you're ready, I have a great accountant and bookkeeper. Happy to pass along. I'm in. <laughs> um, are there any podcasts or books? And I, I know you're busy, but anything that's rocking your world and, and really inspired by recently? Um, so there's one book that I really, really love. Uh, it's called Spark. It's written by a Harvard psychiatrist, and he, he talks about how exercise uh, influences um, influences your ability to learn and adapt and, and just essentially be more productive. I think that, um, you know, I think that that, that book is, is really solid. Um, in, in regards to uh, a podcast, um, there are, there, there are a handful of things that I, I really like listening to. Obviously, I mean, like, I think everyone listens to Ted talks. I think that Ted talks are great. Um, cause there's just a variety of information. Um, you know, something, something else that, you know, what, uh, an escape for me is listening to Joe Rogan podcasts every now and then. I think that he's got some, some interesting thoughts and, and some of his guests, um, you know, he, he has guests that are, I think one of three different flavors. They're either a comedian, someone in, um, mixed martial arts, or they're just an expert in some really interesting field and they can talk about it uh, at a very finite level so that you actually learn and, and you learn something that, that you would have never guessed. And I think that, um, that third flavor is something I search out. I try to catch any of the podcasts when he has experts talking about things like ketogenic diets or, uh, you know, uh, different type of exercises and uh, different type of exercising and, and how it, uh, impacts brain or, or uh, uh, learning development, things like that. I think that that's really interesting for me. Okay. Well, I'll have to check those out as well. And John, how can people get in touch with you if they need help with their, their legal and, and practice um, and, or learn more about your company? Yeah, definitely. They can go to falonesv.com, spelled F-A-L-L-O-N-E-S is in Sam, B is in Victor.com. Um, we've got you know, a, really, uh, a really simple web page that we put up. We don't want to spend too much time on it, but I think it gives a good background of who uh, who I am, as well as my partner, Caitlin Kennedy. Um, or they can email me at john at com, and I'd definitely uh, be happy to set up a chat. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. It was so great to chat, and congratulations again on the third baby boy. Thanks, Chantal. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Have a good day. You too.